Well, hello, everybody. I am Steve Pisa, and I'm your host here at Files Radio. It's been a long time since we've seen each other. It's been, what, four or five years? We've had some great, great shows that we had before. God, I'm so happy to be back. I'm slightly overwhelmed, but uh, but very, very happy. The last time we spoke, uh, we were talking about uh, Marvel movies and Thor and, and uh, things of the like. And now those things are over. The Avengers are over. That's how long it's been since we spoke. That Spider-Man has come from uh, Disney and uh, the whole thing is, is pretty much over. We're moving on from there. Uh, so how have you guys been? How's everybody been? You been good? Well, I've been fantastic. Today, we have the amazing Doug Jones to join us today. Now, I don't think Doug Jones needs a gigantic introduction. I uh, hope he's coming on in about 15, 20 minutes. Uh, but he's been in Hellboy, Pan's Labyrinth. Listen, he's been in... in Batman, Batman Returns, uh, <laughs> uh, Hellboy 2, The Shape of Water, where he won an Oscar with Guillermo del Toro as a team. Uh, so he's a big Guillermo del Toro man. I was a fan, a gigantic fan of Guillermo del Toro before I knew who Doug Jones was. I saw Devil's Backbone. I was a huge fan of that, of that movie. And when I started to see more of Guillermo's films, I started seeing Doug Jones in those films. And that's what got me to just fall in love with him just every step of the way. He was just an incredible, incredible actor. I had a lovely chance to meet him several times. And uh, he's just as nice in person as he is, as you think he, he would be. He's, he's incredibly gracious and nice and polite. Um, so I can't wait to have him on today. He's also connected to several friends of ours who have made like The Fifth Passenger and Space Command. But right now you can see him in Star Trek Discovery as he plays uh, Commander Saru. So Doug Jones. Doug Jones will be joining us in a couple minutes. We'll be happy to have him here. All right. So on to the show. What are we watching lately? What are you watching lately? Now for me, I'm going to place, I'm going to tie myself right now. Next week I'm waiting for the Dark Crystal. The Dark Crystal prequel is coming out next week, and a lot of us have been waiting for a long time. What has it been, 20 years? 30 years? 30 years since the last time we saw Dark Crystal? I don't know if you remember what happened with the Dark Crystal, but Jim Henson's executive producers were so unhappy with the product that they actually walked out of the screening of the first Dark Crystal, and it set Jim Henson on a depression that, that I wouldn't say he didn't rebound from, but it definitely made him look at his films a little differently. Um, so to see it be rejuvenated instead of being a sequel that we were waiting for being a prequel um, is going to be amazing. It's just going to be amazing. I cannot wait to see the dark crystal started on the 30th and you'll get all those episodes on, on Netflix Have you guys been watching the uh, new episode uh, of uh, D23 for Disney? Now, that's pretty incredible. They, they've announced some very cool shows coming out, like The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian coming out based on you know Boba Fett's family, company, and what have you. It's an amazing story. I can't wait to see that. And in, in case you didn't know, in case you didn't know, the show has been on and off that long where Spider-Man came into the MCU and now now it's been what exactly four to five years Spider-Man is out of the MCU so we had a couple of really fantastic movies with with Spider-Man all right if you want to call in today and ask Doug Jones any questions or ask me any questions you can call in at 319-527-6060 this particular um, episode is going to be dedicated to Sean Piccinino, who donated money for the show to go back on. 
Uh, I'll be giving donation names for for each show. But Sean Piccinino, thank you very much for donating for the show. Uh, It came alive because we put a GoFundMe page. Uh, Let's start radio over again. I'm going to announce it at the end of the show, but uh, we're going to, we have a GoFundMe page to restart this radio show. And we did, and, and we're here today. All right, so we're going to go to a short break. Let's listen to a song, and I'll be bringing uh, Doug Jones on. Thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you very much for listening. All right, thank you very much for waiting there, right there. We have the amazing, amazing Doug Jones on right now. Let's just bring him on right here. <laughs> oh wow! I... Oh wow! I did. How, how big of a crowd do we have there? <laughs> you know, people have been waiting so long to hear from you, Mr. Doug Jones. That uh, we've been we've been just sitting here, breaths held. Please, please yeah. tell us how was your day? My day. Well, it's it's Sunday, and I'm I'm up here in Toronto actually at the moment. Um, so it's three hours later for me. Oh, I, I woke up. I woke up 20 minutes ago. <laughs> so it's like it's, it's after 1 p.m. now. Um, I'm currently filming Star Trek Discovery up here, so that's why I am. My weekends are dear to me because I've been working Monday through Friday, oh, yes, uh, doing you know 15-hour days, and and I'm 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 wrung out I, between wearing a, a a silicone you know rubber makeup uh, contact lenses and shoes yeah. that make my feet look funny um, <laughs> every day, and and memorizing reams of dialogue every night for the next day. Uh, it's uh, it's it's been very taxing, but um, but fulfilling. You know, I I've been pushing that show. Just watching every single episode again from season two, and you do so much physical and and vocal work on that show. I, I sometimes it's baffling to me how you're able to do that, swinging your arms back and forth behind you with your mime work. <laughs> all, all of that is incredible. How do you keep all of those things in mind as you're doing that character? Is is it all the past work that you've done before, or did you have to find something new for this new character? Oh, 
I want to find something new for every character I play. So, yeah. um, so Saru's, uh, yeah, Saru's um, physicality and his voice and the way he inflects when he speaks, and it, it's all a part of just the package that is him. Um, right. I just, I, I just kind of when I when all that goes on me, I kind of, I, that's, I, I am Saru. I live in his skin. I, I, I do what he tells me. So right. I don't really right. think it. I don't think I don't think inch by inch oh, from head to toe. Oh, I better hold my elbow like this. Um, right. It's just kind of like once I once I channel through, he's just kind of there in all in all forms, you know. <laughs> you you really do transcend your because I've seen you in, in everything you've ever done, and it's really hard to see you behind that makeup. Oh. Where in Pan's Pan's Labyrinth, I, I definitely can feel an energy behind that. In this one you get lost in that character. It's, no. it's very cool. No, thank you. That's the, the best compliment you, you can give an actor like me. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. That's great. When I, when I saw you maybe the last time when you were signing, I, I told you you were going to get an Oscar for Shape of Water, and I was just waiting for that to happen because no. just, just like a lot of other great actors who do the part and put in the work and people can see it, Maybe maybe the Academy can't see it. Maybe some other people can't see it. But we can definitely see the work you're putting oh. into it. And uh, I saw it again just the other night. It was just wonderful. Let's go. Let's go back, if you don't mind, to your to your to your childhood. And uh, I want to know mm. what was your first, what was your first break? Because mime is not something that I wouldn't see as, as specifically exciting for my group. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't even even have thought about. It. I would have thought about ballet. I'll be honest with you, but. Uh-huh. But you went you went towards miming. Now tell me, how did you how did you get into that? Was it was it through the great you know uh, Marcel Marceau? Uh, was it through Buster Keaton, Charlie Chaplin? What were your inspirations for for going into mime? Uh, well, I the mime thing actually the the actual art of mime and knowing what what to call it didn't happen for me until my freshman year of college at Ball State wow. University. But before that, if you, if you go to Younger Dougie in Indianapolis, Indiana watching TV and going to the movie theaters on weekends. Um, it was Jerry Lewis. It was Danny Kaye. It was oh. um, Red Skelton. It was, uh, and TV shows like Gomer Pyle and Gilligan's Island and I Love Lucy, the Carol Burnett show. If there were goofy character people making me laugh. Like Dick Van Dyke. Wow. And Dick Van Dyke. Oh, he all, oh, what a gem he was. And uh, Don Knotts as Barney Fife on mm-hmm. the, on the Andy Griffith show, uh, seeing people that like that I could semi relate to instead of the handsome leading man, um, they I, I felt very out of sorts as a kid, and I, I found out later, of course, I was not alone in that. We all did right. some form or another, but I thought I was the only one, of course. Right. And uh, and I found such solace um, and such comfort watching these goofy people like that had a purpose. They they were they were given uh, us this gift of laughter, you know. So, um, so I, I really was, 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 I thought I want to be on that TV one day too. I want to be in that movie theater myself one day and I want to make people laugh. So I was actually aiming toward a comedic career. I had no hmm. idea that I would get, get, um, take a left turn somewhere and, and go down the monster trail. Uh, but <laughs> I kept my, my, I kept my, my feet dipped in both pools though. Um, right. I, I, I've done Quite a, quite a lot of work with my own face as a human being, but in lesser known projects. So what I what I've become known for are, like you said, the the multi Oscar winning Shape of Water, the multi Oscar winning Pan's Labyrinth, um, the Hellboy movies, and um, and the Silver Surfer, and uh, the list goes on and on. Now after thirty six years of acting, but but it was um, but originally I I wanted to be the goofy next door neighbor. I didn't want to. I, I love I, what appealed to me was the second fiddle roles you know not i didn't want to carry a show i wanted to be right. a, um, a colorful guy who comes in and goes says something funny and leaves you know and then let we, somebody we, else take the weight of the show so Doug, were, were you thinking more like tank girl hocus pocus that kind of that kind of those kind of film areas instead of like maybe you know crimson peak uh, right i was thinking right a hocus pocus was perfect yes that, that right. was uh, i had such a great experience on that movie because I was I was fulfilling a childhood dream there because I was a, I was a zombie in a makeup yes but I was also goofy it was a comedy right. it was a family friendly movie and I was working with um, you know icons like Bette Midler and Sarah Jessica Parker and right and being directed by Kenny Ortega and 
that was just, you know, that was a dream job. Yeah. Magical moments. It seems to me like you had a lot of magical moments and you've been part of my pop culture childhood for such a long time. It's amazing. Mm. I mean, you've, you've played so many characters, but even just playing, you know, Bernie the Mac, you know, that, that was, that was a huge deal in 1985. That was, that was 1985 Olympics when you played uh, Mac tonight. So that was a gigantic deal in my youth. Yes. In the late eighties, early nineties. Yeah. That, that was a, now that was my first professional break really. Um, that was my fourth TV commercial booking after I moved to Los Angeles. And, um, and that was, um, that was the job that, that, I, you know, at the time, again, I, I was going toward, I want to be a sitcom star as, as, as the next door neighbor or the office mate. Uh, and so, but when my TV commercial agent was like, oh, you have a mime background, uh, you're tall and skinny, uh, you know, you're very, and you're flexible, you can put your legs behind your head, we, we can use all that. So I got out, I went out on the most bizarre TV commercial auditions. One of them being, you know, wear this moon head and and and, uh, and gyrate around <laughs> uh, to a groovy nightclub song, you know, and uh, and and that became that became a a very successful ad campaign for McDonald's that that put me on the map as tall, skinny, goofy guy who moves well, wears a lot of crap on his face, and doesn't complain about it. And the creature <laughs> effects world uh, listened. The, uh, the creature effects world was observant and. And, you know, really? who's that guy and how do we refer that guy? And so my phone started ringing for other jobs uh, that that creature effects people would refer me for. So I, I kind of like sidestepped the 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 um, the uh, the protocols of, of, of casting. You know, usually it's like right. that your agent calls you. You have an audition. you got to go tap dance for some, you know, the casting director and then get a call back for the director and the producers. And there's a whole this whole system in place. But when casting a creature in a heavy makeup, um, often the producers are, are, and the director um, are very reliant and dependent upon the creature effects makeup people. If, that, if, if the guy making the suit, making the makeup, sculpting the, the creature says, ooh, you know who should play this? Doug Jones. He's, he, I've worked with him before, blah, blah, blah. And then the, the, the producers will be like, great. If you, if you trust him, great. I, that, you know better than we do. And so I would get calls from the creature people saying, hey, we just had this conversation about you. Do you want to come in and have, do a quick fitting and a test and whatever? And so I would skip the, the audition process altogether by that connection. So I, I owe right. a large chunk of my career to – all the creature effects designers and, and creators uh, in Los Angeles, for sure. Well, let me ask you a question here, Doug. You know, there, I, I meet strangers all the time that call you Dougie because they met you once. <laughs> you know, and so right. many people feel like they know you because they met you mm-hmm. once, or you get, you know, you 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 have that affable personality, that that uh, that it factor that I want to go up to this person and speak to them, likability. How, how much do you think this this part of your personality that is really a great thing in Hollywood because it's extremely positive has helped mm-hmm. you in your career? Well, thank you. That's very, very sweet of you to say, by the way. And I do remember the first time I met you in person, there were hugs involved. Yes. Right? <laughs> so so yes. Uh, that's, that's just, uh, that is just what I do. And um, yeah. uh, that's very nice to hear that, that, it, that it left an effect. Thank you. Um, yes. I think I think um, uh, uh, if if you are a, affable and, and easy to get along with, and and people like working with you, and they, they like having you around, and you get, a, I, I I I try to to never not know a friend. So you know, right. if I'm meeting people for the first time, it's like I I only have three minutes with them. Um, I want those three minutes to be a great experience um, <laughs> for both of us. So. Uh, so, so I guess I, I, I do present a familiarity and, um, hmm. and, um, and, and huggles and face cuppings and, and like, and I want to, I really am genuinely interested to hear what's going on in your life. And, and, and now I don't have the time or the present to follow up and become best friends for the rest of our lives. Sure. But, sure. 
but, uh, uh, especially once I started doing the convention circuit and, you know, right. you start um, meeting fans from all over the world in different cities. Uh, there's absolutely no humanly way possible to keep connected to everybody you meet and have a great interaction with. But those interactions are dear to me in the moments that we have. And so I cherish that. And, um, and, and so anyway, I did the same thing in the workplace when I'm working with a team of people. Um, I, I, I love that connection. I love, I love right. people. And, um, and if we come walk away with a great experience and then I, I suppose that does become a part of the referral process for the next job later is um, not only you want to be good at what you do, but you also want to be great to work with and, and great to be around and, and, and fun. Right. Right. You know, it, it's very hard for me to understand how somebody could sit in a chair for five and a half hours having prosthetics put to his face <laughs> and drinking coffee out of a out of a out of a straw, and then being one of the nicest people on set. It's amazing to me that the people who work the hardest <laughs> are usually the calmest and the nicest. Is that is that no. true in, in the world that you've seen? <laughs> oh, I don't I don't know. I um uh for, for me uh you know actors are we we actors are are known for being you know complaining divas. Right. <laughs> Part of the chemical <laughs> makeup, I guess. But um, uh, but so I guess if you're not that, it makes you exceptional. And so right. I, I do my best. So it's no one. If I'm if I'm having an uncomfortable or a, um, or an annoying experience because of a makeup application or a uh, or a suit that wears funny on me, um, right. I'm the one who said yes to that job, knowing full well what came with it. Right. Right. So it is no one's fault. It is no one's job to to uh, you know, make this better for me. <laughs> but, you know, but the best we can. But you know, when you're going through fittings and when you're going through makeup process, especially on a long running job like the one I'm on right now, you know, this is this might go on for years, uh, a series like this. So, so if there is something that is nagging at you in the makeup or or, or annoying or or, uh, or or a discomfort or even a pain in some way, shape, or form absolutely address that but you can be nice about it you can you can you say like I, if this was a two-day job I, I could live through it but it's going to be if it's a six-year job that's a completely different story you know right uh, right can we fix this so and 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 you my creature my my prosthetic makeup artists are always just right on it they'll do whatever they can to to ease that that pain ease that comfort uh, and make that comfort happen so right. I, they're, they're my, they're like my, they're not just makeup artists. They're also my, my nursing home attendants. <laughs> I feel you do kind of become, you do become a nursing home patient when you're going through a process like that, because right. I, 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 I age greatly from, from the beginning to the end of a, of a makeup process. Um, cause I can't see well, I can't hear well. I, I, I might have to walk funny cause I'm heavier. I'm, you know, uh, I'm restricted. So I never, um, I, I never I, even thought about that. How much, how much, how much work it does for you after the job. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and yeah, because people are always fascinated with with how long did you fit in the makeup process? Right. It's not done. It's not done. When that makeup is finished after, after three to five hours, it is not finished. You have to wear it, perform in it, make it come alive all day. So that, that's the other part of the 15 hours is, is, you're still in it. You might be wearing contact lenses too. You might be, you know, wearing right. a mechanical thing on your head that goes in your ears all day while you're flying. Um, right. It, there's a lot. There's a lot depending on the character. Um, so, um, so it's it's really a it's, a, it's an all day experience. It's not just for how long did it take in the morning. That's it, that's right. way beyond that. That that's, that's, that, that's the morning part is the easiest part because I get to sit still for that. Right. Then you know what I I never even thought about it. I'm glad you brought that up. That that's that, that's amazing. You know, you're part of two huge huge um, movie series. Uh, meaning, Star Trek is just a gigantic population of people who love that show, uh, movies, mm-hmm. cartoons, novels. But you're also part of Guillermo del Toro's world, and people are mm-hmm. also in love with him. Now, I've always been a gigantic Guillermo del Toro fan back to devil's backbone back to his old days and when he came here and you started becoming part of his films that's when i knew who you were i would mm-hmm. love to know how did you meet guillermo and and what was that interaction like right um uh that, that is a story that i that I, I have told many many a time uh once we hmm. just go back to 1997 uh okay he, um 
he was working on his first American film, um, which was Mimic, yeah, with Mira Sorvino. All and, right. Um, and I, uh, I was um, called from a creature effects house uh, with one of those referrals I was talking about. It was with Lazzarini's stop. And um, I was uh, asked, can you do a night suit tonight? They're looking for um, a, a guy to wear a, a, a human-sized bug suit, like a, an insect, uh, for this movie, Downtown L.A., and it's a night suit, and are you available for... So, of course, I'm not a horse actor. Of course, I'm not free to do it, yes. So, um, so we... Uh, uh, what what had happened was, I guess that they were they were doing pickup reshoots for the movie. It was about to come out in three weeks in, in theaters. Right. So, uh, so, um, uh, so because they, they filmed the uh, initial photography up in up in Canada, and the sure. Canadian actor who the Canadian actor who played up there uh, uh, didn't to fly him down and hotel him and for him and get him a work visa would have been a, a huge process. So who do we know in town that can fit this suit? So I got a call. I, I, I'm in the tall, skinny guy role with that. So um, I didn't, I had no idea who Game of the Toro was and I didn't, I, I never met the director that night. Uh, and I ended up right. working two more days, two more days on the suit after that. So, um, so my second day I was on, uh, the first the first night was outdoors on the top of a building. So I never did. I never even saw the crew. They were all down on the ground, and I was up four stories in the same sky. Um, and uh, but then next day was on the green screen set, and hmm. so much a, a scaled down crew. And at lunchtime, the director of the film sat across the table from me, and that was Guillermo del Toro. And he, he said, "Oh, <laughs> so tell me, tell me everything you've been in before." He really wanted to hear about my background. And so I started right. talking about yeah, 97. I'd already done, I had already done Tank Girl and Hocus Pocus by then and, um, and a myriad of other things and, and all the maximal commercials that you mentioned. So I, I brought all that and more and he, and he knew of every makeup artist I'd ever worked for before. He knew their names and he knew their reputations and, and he wanted to hear my perspective. What do you like as a real guy? Is he good? Is he nice? So I, we were having this, like this, you know, Twelve-year-old boys getting together to talk about monsters, kind of an interaction <laughs> that was exciting and fun. I'm like, I love this guy. He's not like any director I've ever met in my life. Right. So, uh, so he asked for my card and to keep in touch, and and then I, you know, out of sight, out of mind for the next five years. I went on and did other things, and then I got a random phone call from another creature effects house, uh, Spectra Motion, in um, in L.A. And uh, hey, Doug, it's Steve Wang, your your designer buddy, calling. Uh, we're talking with the director about a new movie, new character, and your name came up. So, are you free to come in and meet us tomorrow? That was the first Hellboy movie. Wow. So, uh, so uh, he he remembered me and kept that card I gave him in, in his wallet for the next five years until Hellboy came along. So, uh, so he when he likes you and, and and had a great experience with you, he's extremely loyal to, to, to the. He, he builds a family around him, and he's he's quite loyal to that family. Well, he definitely fought for you to, to use your own voice for Hellboy too. Uh, right. So, right. Hellboy one, the studio wanted to they were campaigning to get you know a, a celebrity voice in if they were going to have unknown Dougie playing Abe Sapien. Um, right. And I and I came into that situation with that decision already being made. I, it was it was not up for discussion. So I was like, oh crap. Um, so uh, I didn't really, I didn't, I, I made it known that I, that that was not ideal for me as an actor. I don't want part of my performance to play. Um, right. And, uh, so yeah, so Hellboy Two, it is my complete performance. My 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 voice is is in, and, and also the animated Hellboy uh, movies. Yes. Between Hellboy One and Two, uh, that'd be Hellboy yeah. Sword of Sword of Storms and Hellboy Blood and Iron. Um, but those that's my voice in those as well. So uh, so he he made good on on. On all of it, eventually, yeah. He, yeah. That's so, wonderful. Yeah, I adore him. You know, the the interesting thing is, is, you know, if anybody looks up your IMDb, they'll see gigantic films, and then I'll see a bunch of smaller, smaller films. Oh, that yeah. you short they, films, they, web series, yeah. All, yeah. And, and you're yeah, one of those I, people um, that that really push yourself out there. May May I ask you why? Why a lot of actors of your level. Wouldn't even even touch 
half of these projects with people because they wouldn't invest in them, their time or their effort or whatever. What What is it about you that, that gives your time, gives your efforts to these people that obviously need your help and make their projects so much better? Well, it, it has to it has to be um, uh, the dance. The dance has to have two good partners. Uh, if I'm only one of them, then the other partner has to be a great production that I want to be a part of, even if they have no budget, even if it's, if it's a newbie actor, uh, a newbie director. Right. So, so what? Uh, you know, uh, Ron Perlman has also done his share of um, of uh, indie things before, and when we right. were when we were filming Hellboy Two, The Golden Army together. I asked Ron, I said, what is it about, what, I asked him the same question. What is it about you that draws you to, um, you know, uh, an indie film or a short film or something that, that, that no one would expect you to do? And we agreed on this, these, on, on these bullet points. If the story is there, a story that you want to help tell, that moves you, that makes you cry, that makes you laugh, that, that makes you educate you, that does something to inspire you in some way, number one. Number two, the character you get to play. Is it someone who challenges you as an actor? Is it someone that's familiar? Is it someone that's uh, unfamiliar that you'd love to dig into? Um, is, it, is, you know, is it interesting? And does it, does it make you come alive as, as an artist? That's number two. Mm-hmm. Number three, who's gonna, whose hands am I going to be in? Who's directing this? Who's, can I trust the artistic vision of this? And will I be taken care of? And that mm-hmm. you find out from a coffee date with the director will tell you an awful lot if you can have that luxury. Um, uh, a show reel of his former work or her former work um, would be is great to look at. What have they done before? Um, or are they a film student who just graduated and they've got all they have is a couple of short films from from film school to show you? Great. I want to mm-hmm. see all that and I want to hear and I want to talk to them o- over a cup of coffee and find out um, if I'm you know if I trust their vision. If all right. that's in place, and, and, and a fourth bullet point might be, what other actors do I get to work with? Do they have anybody else that I, that, that I find interesting, would love to interact with on film? If all that's in place, then, then money doesn't have to be there. If you can work it into your schedule of, of money-making projects, right? Um, right. If, if, if they're asking for a, for a time on my calendar that's, um, that's available, um, then, then why wouldn't you do it? So, so uh uh, but, but you know, the, I guess the older I get, and the and the, the more my time has been asked for, uh, the more picky I've gotten with all those now. Uh, I, I I and just as the time as you're not on, on a show like Star Trek Discovery, I'm I'm gone eight nine months out of the year, so my hiatus right. time is is a bit more cherished. I, I I actually need more time off now than I used to need. So right, I can't I can't throw myself in, into as many Indies as I as I as I used to like to. Let me ask you. So now you're in the there's Star Trek world, you know, and that's besides the the Gamma world. Which which fans do you find to be a little bit more ecstatic? Now I I think I know which one's going to be the answer. Which ones? Which fans do you find to be a little bit more ecstatic? The monster lovers or the sci-fi lovers? Wow, I don't. The word ecstatic is they're they're different. Hmm. Just they're different, ecstatic huh? in different ways, though. They're different. Like, I think. I think for me, the uh, the Trek fans um, are, are are often very intelligent, um, mm. and you'll find and you'll find uh, you know you know. I mean, I I have people that come to me from NASA saying that they got into the sciences because of their early Star Trek days watching TV, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I I get a lot of a lot of very smart people that and, and critical people too that come with the Trek world uh, because this is a franchise that is has such a long legacy it's a part of everyone's childhood therefore uh, when something new comes along like us uh, mm-hmm. you feel an ownership and, and, and a protection of the franchise that, that you know they're, they're, you're an unproven you know you're you're not you're an unwelcome guest until you prove yourself kind of thing so I've never experienced that with fandom before until Trek. Um, the the Del Toro type fans um, are more, I would say, more emotional, perhaps, more uh, emotionally connected to, to to a piece of art that moves them, that made that brought them to tears in some way. I've had more, uh, uh, and this is from meeting fans in the convention circuit. Um, right. The sci-fi fans are so appreciative, and 
and, 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 and want to talk details with you. The Del Toro fans are want me to pet their head and they want to cry on me. <laughs> so so there, there's a different kind of ecstatic that comes with both of them, right? Yeah. I understand. I totally understand. One's more emotional. Right. right. Yeah. Wow. So let me. So how do we get into Star Trek? I mean, that's that that's a dream come true. I, I'd imagine. Oh yeah. Well, right. I'm one of the ones who grew up with it. Of course, we all did. Um, and of course, I'm yes. old. I'm, I was born in 1960, so the original series, <laughs> in its first airings in 1966 uh, on network TV, I was watching that with my family in the living room. So wow. Um, so, and then seeing every iteration of it since then with Next Generation and Deep Space Nine, Voyager, right. mm-hmm. uh, Enterprise, and then all the movies, of course. All the movies with the original cast, all the movies then with the with the Next Gen cast, and um, uh, and then now the newer movies. Uh, it is such a long-running franchise and long-running legacy that... Um, and being being an actor who's known for wearing rubber makeups and having played lots of aliens in other movies and other TV shows, um, uh, it, it, the question came up a lot: like, have you ever done Star Trek? I mean, and, I, and I hadn't. And and I even hmm. I'm even friendly with the entire Westmore family that you know that are the legendary uh, Michael Westmore Senior, the legendary makeup artist that created many many creatures for the, the Star Trek franchise. Wow. So. You know, so all the relationships are in place, and like, why it never happened? Because it wasn't supposed to until now, probably. And here right. I am, here I am in my late fifties, um, you know, thinking that 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 ship had sailed, and sure enough, Sophie stopped <laughs> and passed me on. So uh, it was very, very sweet, very sweet to have this uh, happen this late in the in the game. Uh, Captain Sheru is definitely a a a complicated character. He he does remind me of a combination of maybe three or four different characters, like a, like a data and, uh, and maybe, uh, you know, some, some people from the, the next generation as well as the first one with, with the new touch. Are, are there any characters that you, that you try to attach yourself to? Cause every year on, as you see from, from, uh, from Star Trek, there's always one character that represents the person that wants to be just a little bit more human, just a little bit more on our mm-hmm. side. Is your character more like more like that, or since he is discovering himself now? I mean, he's discovering himself now. He's older than he used to be now. He he went past his death process, right? So we're going into mm-hmm. the third season now. So he's a different character. Um, mm-hmm. wh- what do you where do you see your character in that in that world? As well, well, uh, first of all, what? first of all, I don't want I don't want to get people talking and chattering too much. You you referred to him as Captain Saru, and that has oh, not been discussed. <laughs> right? Yes. Uh, right. Sorry about so that. I, I don't want anyone to run away with that and think like I start twittering about it. Um, no, no twitter. Uh, as we left uh, season two, uh, uh, Saru was acting Captain Saru, but Captain, still with yes. commander rank status. Right. So. Um, so that is that is where we pick up in season three right off the bat as well. So oh, nice. uh, I cannot I cannot dispel. dispel. And, and what was left was um, when when Captain Pike was trying to leave the captain's chair with with someone, he he was about to discuss that, and I am the one who said, uh, 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 "Let's discuss the captaincy later." Oh, there are many things right. to to um, to consider, and I and, well, and the, Michael Burnham well, the, and Saru exchanged a glance. Right. Well, if I could, so, if I, if I could extend something out there, the show is so complicated that, and mm-hmm. it's so fantastic. It goes, and plus there's a web series that goes along with it. I think it's virtually, for myself at least, impossible to tell what the next season is going to be. I look at the right. show and I'm like, I, I have to just sit there and wait. I mean, I can say whatever I want, but uh, Commander Saru, I really don't know what's going to happen to that person. Right. And when. I didn't either. Uh, so now that we're filming right. season three, I'm getting getting one episode at a time, a glimpse at what's happening. Mm. So um, uh, it's um, it, you know I, I will tell you it, this you know we 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 jumped we jumped into the future quite a ways. So right. uh, so anything can happen, and that's that's the exciting part of season three is that uh, we have we'll be gone where no series has ever gone before. <laughs> well, you know, well, we want we want move. We want zero spoilers. We want we want to see it fresh. I mean, right. I love. Oh, yeah. I'm a Star Trek fan, and I cannot wait for that Thursday. Like I said, I, I just beat up that second season again uh, yesterday, and I I loved it. 
Uh, how oh. do you feel? Oh, well, your acting is superb, by the way. Oh, thank um, you. Thank you. You with Michael Burnham going back and forth with, with your relationship yeah. and how you've grown from the first season, but how you really didn't but, trust her. Go ahead. And, and you did mention something uh, about the, the relationships on the ship. Uh, yes, yes, Saru is very, very brother-sister-like with Burnham. Right. He's also very father-daughter-like with Tilly. Um, hmm. uh, you know, Cadet Tilly, or now Ensign Tilly. Um, yes. You know, she's like she's like this, this ray of sunshine who who can't has no filter on what she says and and often makes me roll my eyes and and I have to correct her every so often. <laughs> it's very it's very paternal and I I love that relationship as well. Um, you know, that's a that's an interesting character. That's a very interesting character. Oh, she's delightful, just delightful. And Mary Wiseman is is a brilliant, brilliant actress. If you watch her work, um, you'll see every take is a little bit different, and her comedic timing is just so natural and flows out of her in a way that, like, oh, I I I I, I want to be like Mary Mary Wiseman when I grow up. <laughs> <She's> <laughs> yeah. The most amazing thing was her acting out on a Star Trek set, where we've really never really seen that before, unless the character got overly emotional. She she's right. very much out there, putting herself out there, and it's incredibly mm-hmm. brave in a world that's kind of like the street man world. It's a street man, mm-hmm. and she's the comedic mm-hmm. figure. So that's right. interesting. So you're right. So you, it is, you, yeah. so you, go ahead, please. Well, I was going to say, I, yeah, I don't remember any other characters like her in other, other Trek series before this. I don't. No, no, I don't. So tell me, how do you how do you like the the interactions and the new group atmosphere that you've created from season one to season two? They did change quite quite a bit from season one to season two. How do you how do you how do you feel like your your character's grown from season one to season two? Oh, my person, my uh, as, how how Saru has grown. Yes, sir. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Um, like a lot in in many different ways. Um, the writers have done such a done me such a great favor by um, creating depth and layers to Saru that goes beyond most alien characters I've played before. You know, um, uh, we the, we have time to explore. Uh, and getting to see my background, my home planet, um, to find out more about the Kelpian species that I am, right. um, uh, and and going through that huge, the biggest obvious change was um, in episode four of season two when I thought I was dying and going through that process the Kelpians do called yes. Baharai, where my threat ganglia inflame and I and I I was I was in great pain, getting like flu-like symptoms and right and and we were told on our home planet that's this is when you die. So our predator species on the planet would, would do what they called like a mercy killing to keep the balance uh, of the planet. Well, it turns, it turns out that I'm away from my home planet. I'm on a ship now as the only Kelpian going through this Baharai thinking this is where I die. And uh, come to find out my threat ganglia fell out and I felt better. And, oh, my gosh, I'm not, I'm not living in fear anymore all of a sudden. So this was a Kelpian right. thing that, 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 that our culture had been – uh, sort of enslaved by the uh, by the predators, the Baul, and um, and the Baul had been lying to us that this, this is not sure enough. This is not where we die. This is where we this is an adolescent phase where we where we reach our adulthood and live who knows how long beyond this. So <laughs> so that that was quite a revelation. And and uh, so for Saru to go from a fear based uh, being to uh, to not living in fear. That humongous change for him, and now, now, uh, you know, as a, in a place of leadership, in a as a high-ranking officer, as someone who right. is hopeful to get the captain's chair one day, hopefully, um, he can do that now with more confidence because uh, because he's not just like looking over his shoulder at what threats are coming next all, all the time. Did you and the writers discuss how you're going to change Saru, or did did they just change it well, and then give you the script uh, and, I, and it just played along? When I got that episode script, I saw I learned about it for the first time. Like, oh, oh dear, well, because because as the episode was opening, I thought like, oh, I'm going to get killed off, right? And so <laughs> then I realized by the end of that episode script, like, oh, oh, I get it. I get to live on wow. even better now. Great, 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 great. <laughs> so you thought the same thing we thought when you were reading the script? Yes, I did. <laughs> I did. Well played. Yeah. Like, yeah. Wow. Doug Jones is off the show. I see. Wow. That that's horrible, mm-hmm. 
Well, and then I would strong... have gone on to other stuff, I'm sure. I... <laughs> <laughs> well, we love you on the show. I mean, you, you are a quintessential part of the, the, the show. You know, uh, there has been, you know, worries about the show. It's like there's some characters that are some, – some people are just a little underdeveloped. You know how it is when you have such a huge show with so many characters. But when we focus on Michael Burnham and, and Spock in season two and then yourself and then Captain Pike, there was a, there was a lot to unpack. And Tilly – there was a lot to unpack there so for much that season. There. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. And we we needed those web series to make the show just a little bit more, I, I don't know, uh, beautiful. I love those web series show. I don't know if you've seen them. I'm pretty sure you have, the, right? The web you series. Seen? You mean the, the short films? Yeah, yeah, the short films. The, the, yeah, the short tracks. Well, I, was, I, I was in one of them. One of them yeah, was, you're was in my backstory. I just well, realized why I worked. asked you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, I did. I did see them. I loved them. They they did fill in some gaps, and um, and also also kept kept uh, a little bit of Trek alive between seasons too. It was um, oh yeah, one a month uh, for about four months. So, no, a, lot was, was, oh. a lot of people uh-huh. don't know that these things exist. They existed on Battlestar Galactica as well, and they filled in the the the, the space. And this one does the same thing, and it fills in space. It shows uh, uh, Star Trek Voyager fifteen hundred years in the future, I believe. Or it's emptied out mm-hmm. and nobody's in there, and, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that was called Callisto. Uh, that was that was a, that was an amazing episode as well. I loved your episode, but your your mm-hmm. acting on the show is superb. Uh, so so tell me, yeah. what, do, what do you what do you, what do you want to go with with Star Trek? Not not telling me anything about season three, but where do you where do you want to go with this? Three four mm-hmm. seasons in a movie, or uh, I don't know. Yeah, um, uh, I. Um, if we could, if we get to do a movie with this cast, that would be great. And it would be a different experience. We wouldn't be under the gun time wise so much. Cause you know, TV mm-hmm. series uh, are shoot very, they're shot very fast. And, and we have, it's an awful lot of material to ingest and then um, uh, make sense in our brains and regurgitate on uh, it. The, uh, just the, the memorization of long speeches with tough talk in it is just, it is so incredibly difficult. A feature film schedule would give us time to, live with it a bit longer i think and, and uh, i would appreciate that um and uh, yeah so i i don't look forward to any anything coming with it that's, that's all great it's all good right so what's happening in our future doug we, we had a we had a, a couple of things going on right now I, I was casting for one of your movies nosferatu uh mm-hmm. down, down before how's that working out for you yeah, right. I just talked to one of our producers, Nusratu, um, yes, days ago to find out because, uh, because I've been getting inquiries enough from from fans and supporters of of uh, of the movie that are uh, that want to see it happen. Um, it, you know, we we filmed it. We filmed all the all the principal photography and reshoots. Uh, we were all done with all the filming by 2017. Uh, so a couple of years ago, and then um, every single shot of the movie, every single frame of, of, of this movie is going to have a green screen element to it that incorporates the original film from 1922. Hmm. So, wow. So I, I will I will be playing in the environment that Max Trek got to play in back in the in the original film. So I'm very excited about that. But what that is is that is a huge visual effects digital uh, like undertaking. Hmm. Um. And so they did, I believe it said that was farmed out to a company overseas and that, so the process and the communication with them has been rather slow, apparently. So I'm right. told that we have about, you know, maybe roughly three more months to, to wait for the film to be completed. And then, then we can start looking at um, how to distribute and, and, and where, but the distributors, they did, I think they did a little, uh, they, they did a show and tell with the movie at the marketplace in um, at, the, at the Berlin Film Festival, uh, and it played very well there. And distributors were nice. like salivating over it. So um, hopefully that that continues once the film is actually done. It, it seems like you pick you pick films that are in, you know unless it's Star Trek that that take a bit of time to put together. Yeah. How frustrating yeah. is that for is that frustrating for you? Oh, um, you know, well, I mean, you know, the minute you finish the film, you want to see it. So, uh, you know, right. it's been a long way. And I knew it was going to be a long Because we, we did a movie just like this, uh, the same director, and I did a movie just like this um, back in 2005. It was the, the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari remake that we did. Same process where um, 
we incorporated he incorporated the old film and, and the new together. We were new actors playing on green screen and being plopped into the original film uh, after he had digitally removed the actors from the, those scenes. So um, that took forever as well. And he and he had not didn't have the budget at the time to go to a visual effects house overseas or anywhere. Uh, he was doing it all himself, and he was a, a brilliant. Um, David Lee Fisher is our director. He was, he comes from a video game background, so he he's he's got all the technology and all of the smarts. But a one man job um, doing visual effects for a movie that requires every frame to be filled in with something is huge. So that that took a, also took a, a couple of years to get a release uh, when we right. did that one. So I, I I knew what I was in for. But we were in for a wait with this. But, uh, right. So, so thank, thank you for your patience. Anyone listening who who might have been a part of the original Kickstarter <laughs> campaign, or uh, uh, yeah, all of that is is still coming. It is not dead. It, it's very much alive and, and getting closer and closer with every day. You know, the the one thing I've gotten from our conversation today is is one of the reasons why you are so successful is that your personality is incredibly consistent with being kind, generous with your time, and in, incredibly skilled at what you do. Uh, oh my gosh! Thank you. You're an incredible person. I'm very proud to have, have met you and, and to call you my friend, at least in my own mind. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you so much. Go ahead, sir. So, but but thank you so much for being on the show. I mean, this was literally four years, five years in the making. I had I was going to have you on a while back, and and. Uh, our numbers got crossed and, and I made a mistake, but we're, we're back here now and I, I have you on the show. And I'm so happy to have you on the show. Just to leave the audience with something here, would you, would, what would you say is, is probably one of the, the better things? If some Doug Jones is sitting back in Indianapolis, uh, you know, waiting to be you, do you have any suggestions for that person on how they should see the world or, or proceed towards the future? You know, it's funny. I get lots of young Doug Joneses getting a hold of me almost daily on social media asking me these very questions. Um, and I wish I had time to answer all of them. Uh, so let's do it here. Uh, and that would be, um, uh, you know, most young actors in the industry so big are wanting um, they, they want to know business questions, like, who do I talk to? Who do I have to know? What call do I have to make? Mm, is, there, right. is there a one to get famous number? Where do I, where, where's that number? Um, right. And that, uh, I would say it's called slow business. And the business part, there are business people that take care of the business part. We have to take care of the show part. Be good at the show. Be something that's worth watching. Uh, be good at what you do before you try to sell it. So number one is um, and, and, and if people come to me saying I want to, I want to be, I want to be a creature actor, I never set out to be a creature actor. I set out to be a good actor. And that's a big right. thing. You know, right. a lot of people come to me thinking that good if they if they just put their elbows in the right angle, uh, they're going to get that good. It, no, it, you have to uh, think like an actor, be prepared like an actor, but the, but. That thinking skill as an actor, which means taking on a whole art form that's written on a character that isn't you and making that character live and breathe through you. So, so that would be any acting classes, any, any, uh, any, uh, training, uh, like any other profession, uh, be good at what you do before you, you go out to the marketplace and try to sell it. Right. And, then and your attitude. You how about your personal oh, yeah, attitude? Well, yeah, and, and, I guess, but and, and also don't don't complain. Even when you do get the gig, don't be like, "This is so heavy, get it off me!" No, no, you said that's your so buckle down, push through. Right, right. Well, thank you so much for for everything, Doug. I, I really appreciate your time. It was a little difficult hearing you at the very end. We're breaking up just a little bit, but I, I appreciate so your time. Every, no, the audience appreciates their time. I'm, I'm I'm seeing so many people wanting to say things, but I think I, I think I've asked every single question that that I wanted to ask and what they wanted to ask as well. Uh, you're, this is just this to me. This is just a masterclass on how to how to be an achiever with a positive attitude. Uh, one of the reasons, well, one of the reasons why I did this show is because I really wanted actors to and actors, directors, and everybody else to see how 
positive, good people, people who were successful and still good people were accomplishing that and how they stayed good people and how, how they achieved that. So it was very important for me to talk to a person like yourself where I've never seen you anything else other than this. And then have you explained to anybody else, how the heck can I be this? Even just a fraction of this would be enough to be successful in this world, in my mind. You're very kind. Thank you so, so much for, for finding me a worthy subject to even talk to. I appreciate that. Oh, thank you very much, Doug. Doug, thank you so much. We're going to see you on uh, Star Trek Discovery Season 3 coming up very, very soon. Uh, yeah, Doug Jones? Right. Yeah, some, sometime in, in, in 2020. Uh, yeah, that. <laughs> uh, I, believe, I believe that uh, Star Trek Picard will be up first uh, for, view, for your viewing pleasure. And we'll, uh, we'll, I think, believe we'll, we come after that uh, airing. Right. Well, don't forget to watch uh, everybody. Don't forget to watch the brightest star. So that, that your episode is called the brightest star, right? My 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 my, my short track, yes. Short yes. So if you go to CBS All Access, uh, uh, you'll find the short track uh, if you scroll the right to the right place. They're not, not they're not super easy to find. And if you are outside the U.S., then you can find them on Netflix in your country. Hmm. Hmm. Thanks so much. Doug, thank you so much for joining us today. God bless you. And uh, I, I hope you have the, the most success on the planet Earth. I can't wait to see you on the Oscar stage again, getting a personal Oscar just for yourself. No, well, uh, your lips to God's ears. I, I, I do hope that one day. We'll get. <laughs> oh, I started, I started my prayers a long time ago. That no. thing's okay. <laughs> well, 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 God bless you right back. And thank you so, so much. Okay. Thank you, my friend. You have a great day. Thank you, Doug Jones. Doug Jones, everybody. That was Doug Jones, huh? Fantastic. The amazing, amazing Doug Jones. I mean, you can just hear from his voice how positive he is, where he's going to, where he's coming from. From what I've seen from Doug Jones, what I've heard from Doug Jones, when I've met him, when I've seen him in lines, when I've done photographs of him while he's stood there as hundreds of people waiting for him to sign something. Always nice. Always cradling somebody's face, always saying something positive, always being very, very sweet. Uh, I admire this man greatly, and I wanted him on my on my first episode back to show that I was back on track. Um, yeah, so watch watch uh, search uh, searching Vo- uh, discovery right now. Uh, the last episode, last two episodes of season two were amazing. They really were amazing, and. Like he, like he said, uh, he is Commander Saru. You really don't know what's going to happen in the third season. I have no idea. And because uh, they went into the feature, so feature tales are feature tales. All right, let's hear one more song, and then we're going to do a call out. I appreciate everybody listening here. I see all of your calls in. I see all the numbers of people listening in right now. Thank you so much for being such a kind audience and for being patient. I know I couldn't get to a lot of your phone calls, and I, I know I couldn't get to a lot of your. Uh, a lot of you are talking to Doug Jones, but I kind of just wanted to talk to him myself. Okay, let's listen to one more song, and then let's uh, be on our ways. Mm-hmm. 
Well, this song right here is Child of Light. It's from the video game Child of Light. <laughs> All right, that's the end of our show coming up right now. Listen, we have a GoFundMe page right now. If you wouldn't mind, go check that out. It's called Bringing Radio Back. Bringing Radio Back. Again, thank you, Sean Piccinino, for chipping in. Bringing Radio Back at GoFundMe.com is going to help this radio show continue on. Today we had Doug Jones on. Doug Jones from Pan's Labyrinth to The Shape of Water to Hellboy 1 and 2, Crimson Peak. These guys have been in more movies than you can possibly see in a, in a, in a weekend. There's no way we'll be able to blast through those films. But if you want to see something special, watch Batman, Batman Returns. And he's one of the two clowns at the very beginning fight. It's hilarious. Thank you, Doug Jones. God bless you. Thank you for coming on my show. Let's talk about something. Let's talk about positivity. It's become an incredibly negative world, as we can see. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring the show back. It's become incredibly negative. Let's bring back the positivity. We can all do it. There's no reason for discourse. There's no reason for fighting. We're coming together right now to listen to this radio station, to listen to Doug Jones. His amazing discoveries, his amazing accomplishments. Fell in love and married his his first love. Created a career for himself. Didn't even know he was going to make it until his 50s. Doesn't that tell you just to hold on just a little bit more? He told you that he reached his greatest accomplishments later on in his life. And he was doing Hellboy. Those are amazing things. Those are all amazing accomplishments as they go along. But I can see why you hold on to that one thing. Everybody out there, stay positive. Stay good. Be ethical, be moral. Live a good life. Be good to others, be good to yourself. Love one another. And I will see you next week. I have been your host, Steve Pisa, for Cinema Files Radio. Today has been our guest, Doug Jones, who plays Commander Saru in Star Trek. Thank you very much for joining me today. I'll see you next week, Sunday at 10 a.m.